a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. The thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, There there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've, got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember and them I've all either. Up. They're just too numerous. <laughs> Fresh out of executive session, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. With Evan Gigline and Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Call. I'd like to uh, make a motion that we call this meeting to order. <laughs> well, there's no second. <laughs> <laughs> whereas this show is doomed to be as miserable as the previous one, and whereas we have uh, fewer and fewer listeners by the minute, be it resolved that we start the show. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Uh, this is how it's going to be now? Is this, is we this... follow Robert's rules of order here to the T. Let me consult with our parliamentarian <laughs> to see if your laughter is in order. <laughs> no, there's no, I don't think there's laughter allowed at these meetings. Is there? You're probably the only one laughing the whole time, aren't you? Hey, by the way, uh, yes, uh, on the inside. I, uh, this t- shirt is available, right? I'm in executive session at the Table Talk Radio uh, store. That's right. If you go to tabletalkradio.org and click on the tab that says Merchandise Shop, uh, you can... You can <laughs> Didn't we cut our... You used to have some sort of profit margin, like 5%, and they would come to us, but because only, like, two people bought a dog bowl, and that's the only thing that came from the Table Talk <laughs> Merchandise Store, that we just cut... We have no profit from that, right? We just It's true, yeah. We don't, we, we don't get a cut anymore for that stuff, so... Uh, because uh, we wanted to drop the price as low as possible, so your doggy dish can have the Table Talk Radio logo on it. <laughs> Although this, with this, I mean, I'm sure this uh, this shirt's gonna sell like hotcakes. I mean, it. I bet you this one does better than I don't want to be a Gnostic shirt. I, I it, well, it can't possibly do worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about we need a Wolf the Mystic Hunter shirt? Ooh, that's good. Uh, yeah, you should work on a design for that. Sweet, I'm on it. It'll be done by the end of this segment. Yeah, okay. Well, in today's program, if you stay with us for the whole thing, you'll hear uh, some, uh, we're going to start doing some buzzwords and, and respond to an email or two. And then we're going to play with Pastor Wolfman being the contestant, Book of Concord B. So you want to stay tuned for that. I want to expect lots of points. Okay, what's your oh, theological buzzword? Radio, big bang. I, I was looking on, I got a bunch of nice ones from Theopedia, but then I remembered that I was actually reading some theology this week. So... I'm so I pulled out of my. Are you bag. suggesting that that Theopedia isn't theological? No, no, I never make such as I love yeah. Theopedia. Yeah, what have you been reading? We need to play. It's, what's in your pastor's library? You could play. What's in your pastor's satchel? Uh, I love, but every time I love also CPH and I love. What else do I love? I love um, your co-host. 
I love my co-host. I do. Yes. Who's now almost a pastor. And I love also uh, the Synod and her bylaws. Okay. Uh, I, I actually have been reviewing. You're going to uh, kind of laugh at this, but I've been reviewing Caberly's Quest for Holiness. Because I'm trying to pin down this definition of mysticism uh, and give a biblical critique of mysticism. I'm, I'm fleshing out the praise song cruncher for a couple of things. Uh, I, I'm gonna. Uh, there's a oh, there's this worship conference coming up in Seward, uh, July 27th, 28th, 29th. I'm gonna be there. There's a lot of presenters that are gonna be there. Uh, Derek Roberts, my bud, who graduated from uh, seminary with, who's out in Tennessee, he's gonna be there. Uh, President Harrison's gonna be there. So if people are interested in a worship conference, the Synod was supposed to do it, but they uh, bummed out on it. So Seward's taking over. Over. And I've got a bunch of presentations. I'm going to do something on um, exegetical uh, worship, how the devil's always trying to fight the true worship, and do something, um, I think, practical, uh, theological, about what's different, about, unique about Lutheran worship. And then something practical, which is the praise song cruncher. I'm going to go and present the praise song cruncher on the, a paper, something like um, a pastoral plea for those uh, interested in contemporary worship. And so I want to nail down the definition of mysticism and the biblical critique of it. So I was reviewing Caberly. So here's his definition of mysticism or the theological source of mysticism. Ready? Yes. Mysticism lives on the assurance that in the depths of our soul flow hidden springs of divinity. Ah. I like mm. it. So mysticism. So that's my uh, buzzword for you, mysticism. Mysticism. Okay. I should give you this book I just got from um, Dr. Weinrich. He's uh, given some of his books away from his library, and it's The Foundations of Mysticism, uh, The Presence of God, A History of Western Christian Mysticism, Origins to the Fifth Century. You should give me that book. I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> That's the same as giving it to me. <laughs> All right, my theological wonder. buzzword for you, and I got this off of Theopedia. Yeah, uh, nice work, Theopedia. Catholic, and Way it has slack. two definitions, uh, and actually Theopedia makes the distinction Catholic little c and Catholic big c. Uh, when, we, the, when we talk about Catholic big c, we usually talk about the Roman Catholic Church, um, but I, my theological buzzword for you is Catholic small c, uh, which is the universal church known as the, according to Theopedia, the church militant. Um, or the one holy Catholic Church is the the creed talks about. Uh, so Catholic meaning uh, universal. It's the universal church. Those those who have uh, faith in Christ uh, uh, are, are members of the Catholic Church. According to the whole, that's the Greek that stands by Kath Olo or something. Holos. So Catholic according so in every place this so that um, yeah that's nice Catholic. We never have that. You always got to watch out for the capital letters so. Catholic with a capital C, Evangelical with a capital E, <laughs> Orthodox with a capital O, Lutheran with a capital L, G Gagline with a capital G. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to this email, because uh, I want to uh, get to this before we hit our first break. Um, it says, uh, hi, I enjoy the show, but my son, who is 13 years old, uh, says he likes issues etc. more because don't blame him. <laughs> more, <laughs> uh, because your show has too much giggling. <laughs> I don't know. I what don't, is he talking about? I have about? no idea. This is hearty, manly laughter. What do thirteen-year-olds know anyway? I mean, we got teach this boy to make a distinction between giggling <laughs> and a good belly laugh. 
<laughs> that's right. <laughs> but he says, I just tell him that is because he doesn't get the jokes. So oh, that's, that's above probably, his head. Yeah, that's ah. right. All right, anyway. Yeah, this is sophisticated humor here. My question is how the Arminian <laughs> ideas would render any different practices by the church than the Lutheran understanding. Uh, I mean, how does uh, the difference uh, in understanding from Arminian to Lutheran mm, to Calvinistic change what mm, you do with regard to the preaching of the gospel? Uh, if the huh. Calvinistic if if the Calvinist thinks it only works for some, and Lutherans think that it works for at least some, and the Arminian <laughs> thinks that it works for all, then so what? Uh, okay, go ahead. At least some. No, this is not at least some. This is the, the Arminian idea is that the cross is potential justification. No, we do not have... There's, there's no potentiality in, in Lutheran doctrine. So that's one of the big differences between... So, But it's true. So our did we get to the end of the question yet? Can I start answering? Uh, I can read one. Uh, no one can know for sure someone else's condition. So how? Uh, so all of them have to be like Arminians in practice, right? No. Oh, but now look, the problem Arminianism and Catholic and, and no, not Catholic. That's my buzzword. We're talking about the Calvinists, the dear Calvinists, our Calvinist friends who who come for beatings. Get ready, Calvinists. <laughs> You're the same as the Arminians, ha! <laughs> because. You have a graceless theo- I mean, a, 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 a meanless theology. You have the immediate uh, work of the Holy uh, Spirit. Both Calvinists and Arminians do. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Arminians is to move man's will, like the Catholics, so that now your will is acting to access God's grace. In the, uh, Calvinism, the, the Holy Spirit is moving against your will, but still the Holy Spirit is moving without grace. So, the, in Calvinism and in Arminianism, the only way you have the comfort of God's presence and God's work is by the result, see? Because God is working in invisible means, so that both are thrown for comfort onto the result, namely, onto growth in good works. The Lutheran Church, because we have the biblical doctrine of the means of grace, although apparently Pastor Charmley found some sort of obscure uh, confession of the Calvinists that <laughs> had the means of grace in it. But anyway, uh, that like four people have ever read. <laughs> but because we have the means of grace, we have our comfort not in the result of God's work, but in God's work itself, in baptism, in the Lord's word, in the preaching of the cross. And so the comfort then, the, this is, it matters immensely in the practice. We find the comfort in what God is doing, not in the result of his... All right, very good. So there's the difference. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, Book of Concord B, right after this. No offense, but you should listen to Table Talk Radio. Seriously, no offense. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. If you have a question for us, you can send it to our email questions at Table Talk Radio or give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. And now it's time for the part of the show where we play Book of Concord B. 
And uh, this is where we, you know, Evan and I talk a lot about how we don't want to just do inside baseball. We don't want to be just focused on Lutherans. We want to expand our audience beyond that. So this game is part of that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, do you remember when we got a question uh, from, from someone asking if uh, Book of Concord would be a good uh, evangelism tool? Like, you kind of like people send out, out these tracks. You can just yes. you know lay book of concords around and people can. What do we say? Stick with a small cat. Use a small cat. Yeah, that's, I think that's what we said. It's like the appetizer for the. I'm book actually of surprised you remember that. <laughs> so, okay, are you ready? <laughs> oh yeah. Round one. I'm ready. I'm, I mean, so insulted though. <laughs> insulted my remembering. <laughs> Can't remember the last time you insulted me like that. <laughs> I think it was about a week ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't you get it? I can't remember the last time. You're insulting my memory. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Let's have it. <laughs> I, Sheesh. I don't even listen I'm to sure you anymore. I'm sure our listeners got that joke. <laughs> I'm sure they're rolling. Our listener. I don't even listen to you anymore. Dropped, you? They probably dropped their weights on their chest. Probably just <laughs> like three people were just killed because that joke was so funny. Trying to exercise and listen to the show. They didn't know it was going to be so hilarious. Ho, ho, ho. That, that's why we have such low listenership is they're just killing themselves <laughs> they're, off because they're of, mostly yeah. dead heart attacks from laughing so hard warning this is a danger show to listen to I what are you doing hands. get to it man I'm ready for this thing Quit our know-it-alls me. the new spirits claim that faith alone saves that the works and the external things add nothing to it we answer it is true nothing that is in us does it but faith as we shall hear later on but these leaders of the blind are unwilling to see that faith must have something to believe, something to which it may cling and upon which it may stand. Thus, faith clings to the water and believes it to be baptism, in which there is sheer salvation and life, not through the water, as we have sufficiently stated, but through its incorporation with God's word and ordinance and the joining of his name to it. Now, I think that's just rude. What? I mean, to call people <laughs> know-it-alls. What does Luther call these guys? Our know-it-all, our know-it-alls. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of our, affectionate. Our know-it-alls, the new spirits. Our know-it-alls, the new spirits. <laughs> I'll even give you a little, like, I'll even give you a little tip. The footnote says about that, the Zwinglians and Anabaptists. Yeah, yeah, our, our know-it-alls. It's like, a, like Luther says, our devil, you know, this kind of affectionate term, or our papists. Listen, what does he say this one time? He says, if we had friendly papists, we would talk to them like this. <laughs> Dear papists, why do you insist on the sacrifice of the mass? Our know-it-alls. Now, this is great, by the way, um, uh, for your buzzword, mysticism, because it says, look at, uh, the, so the, here's the, the, the new spirits, our know-it-alls, are criticizing baptism, and they're saying, hey, how can baptism do this stuff? It's external. And Luther will go on and say, hey, let it be external. For heaven's sakes, God wants it to be that way. Let, God can do what he wants with external things. Uh, but he says, it's, it's, look, at the word, if the Lord attaches his word to something external, then it, then it, it does it. It brings with it the, um, the power of God's word, which is the power to create life, the seed of the word, the implanted word of God, so, uh, which, which, which gives birth to faith and salvation. So this is Luther, Large Catechism, talking about the baptism, uh, so fourth chief part. Congratulations. Want me to guess, guess the paragraph? Yes. Ah, paragraph 122. No, 28 and 29. Oh, not even close. 
All right. Congratulations. 200 points. And they get progressively harder, just so you know. They don't want you to think they're all going to be like that. Yeah, you're okay. All right, ready? I'm ready for harder ones. Anything else we need to say on that thing? I'm just writing down my points here. How many did I get? 200? Let me write how many you have. Zero. <laughs> Thanks for taking time. You for like that. the new. you. <laughs> now, what I call you, my co host, it's like Luther uses the word my. My know it all. <laughs> you could call me You could call me your know it all. Sure, yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll fit in with all the other names I call you. Most of them are off mic. You ready? Most of them are said in executive session. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, sorry. Round I didn't two. mean to giggle. Ho, ho, ho. Ho. Ready. But someone ho, ho. might ask, since we, ho, ho. since we also grant that love is a work of the Holy Spirit, and since it is righteousness because it is the fulfillment of the law, why do we not teach that it justifies? We must respond to this. In the first place, it is certain that we do not receive the forgiveness of sins either through our love or on account of our love, but on account of Christ by faith alone. By focusing on the promise and thus by realizing that faith alone conquers the terrors of sin and death, it is certainly firm that God pardons because Christ did not die in vain. That's be- Faith alone conquers the terrors of sin and death. Write that thing down. Faith alone. Actually, I guess it's already written. <laughs> Art by Melanchthon in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. But I think that's a uh, beautiful. Faith alone conquers. What does it say? The fear. Faith alone conquers uh, the fear of sin and death. I'm gonna guess. I think this is Mel- this is Melanchthon's uh, style, and 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 content also, where where he takes up the biggest part of the Book of Concord is this um, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, and the biggest part of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession is the defense of Article 4, which is justification. And and that is the heart of the whole deal. So you get in there the distinction between the promise and the command. Um, you get in there with comfort. And you get in there a big section, which is called love and the fulfillment of the law. That's kind of part two of uh, Melanchthon's defense of justification. It's kind of, it's funny, though, the way it's numbered. I mean, in some in some editions of the Book of Concord, that'll be, uh, numbered Article 4, like Part 2. In some, like the Triglotta, I think it's actually Part there three. It's like the third article of that thing. So it's numbered kind of funny. But I think this is going to be Apology Augsburg Confession. That is correct. I actually thought I could throw you on that one since, uh, I mean, justification is kind of a major topic of the Book of Concord. But you got it. Very good. Um, now, this is this is a good thing to talk about because, I mean, so... The Lutherans have been saying, okay, uh, we're saved by faith alone, and that we do we do love our neighbor by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not it's not our power or our motivation or our doing that that loves the neighbor, but that can only be done as a work through us by the Holy Spirit. So the the question was then, well then why can't we just say that that the Holy Spirit works through us to love to 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 earn our salvation? And the Lutherans said, no no no, we, you can't say that because it. it we're not saved by our works because um, w- whenever we, we start to look at, at uh, our loving each other, even though that our love um, is, is wrought by the Holy Spirit, um, we are saint and sinner. So even though why we're loving our neighbor, we're also sinning in that same uh, loving of the neighbor. I'm never yeah, doing right. a good work perfectly. And so yeah, if, this, right. if this is what is in part responsible for our salvation— uh, then, then we can have no surety whatsoever because our our love of the neighbor is not perfect. 
Yeah, that's fantastically said. And you have to we have this distinction then between faith, between grace and faith. I mean, it is by God's grace that we have the Holy Spirit and by God's grace that we love our neighbor. Uh, but it's not just it's not grace, just grace alone. It's faith alone. It's 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 faith that clings to the promise. And that alone is going to be uh, how the Lord reckons us to be righteous and holy. All right, we have two minutes for our last round here, if you're ready. All right, this is I'm the, ready. This is the, the hardest part. Okay. <laughs> for the word through which we are called is a ministry of the Spirit. It gives the Spirit, or through it the Spirit is conferred. It is a power of God that saves, Romans 1. Because the Holy Spirit wills to be efficacious and to give strength, power, and ability through the word, it is God's will that we accept the word and believe it and follow it. I think this is kind of tricky. Uh, this is going to be emphasized in a couple of different places. Like uh, it's going to be emphasized. Melanchthon's going to talk like this in uh, in the Apology, but you're also going to have Luther, especially talking like this in the Large Catechism and in small called articles. I think this sounds an awful lot like not the guts, but the stuff that's right around the edge of what Luther's talking about when he talks about confession in the small called articles. That'd be small called 338, uh, where he talks about the enthusiasts and how the Lord only works through the external word, etc. cetera. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say small called. No, that is oh, incorrect. Oh. You looking... want me to guess again? Sure, go, but quick. Well, uh, you have, uh, a large catechism? Uh, no. Oh, doubly This wrong. is actually... so. Do, wait, did it take points off? For all, you want to keep guessing? Yeah, yeah, you can deduct points. <laughs> all right, well, you guessed incorrectly twice, so now you're down to zero. <laughs> want to guess again? Look at up and down the roller coaster, and I end up standing right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the formula of Concord, the Solid Declaration, Article 11, which is... Election. Election. So this is the discussion after uh, they're discussing... Uh, uh, the uh, the role the, the role that preaching has for elections. Yes, so now, right. what is the Spirit's right. active role in the preaching of the Word in terms as it relates to uh, election? What is it? How do we find election? And the answer is we find election in the preaching of the gospel. That's beautiful. Yes. So uh, zero you points for me. Pastor Wolf Miller. No, and no. after this break, we'll be right back. Don't go away. My head. <laughs> No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is rockin' awesome. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It's time for the game. What are we calling this? Do Evan's homework? Or Yeah, that's right. Uh, Do Evan's homework. All right. I like, I, only I, like I can get points for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I get points, just not table talk radio points. They're more. This is just basically points. recording recording for the, our radio show all the conversations we've had over the past three years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, never mind, uh, Evan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Evan's been pouring his heart and soul into his homework. I know he has. Yeah, that's fact. right. 
Uh-huh. Although you have you gone back and listened to our early shows when you were just a baby seminarian? Now you're all <laughs> grown up. <laughs> Proud of you. That's not recommended, by the way, that anyone go back and listen to old Table Talk Radio shows. Starting with the the threshold of not going back is last week. In fact, don't right. even go back and listen to the beginning of this show. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Never look back, baby. All right. Well, uh, next week, as we record today, uh, is finals week here at the seminary, and we have, uh, I have on Monday night, a Confessions three final, and uh, Confessions three uh, covers the formula of Concord. So. I have a little study guide that here. Confessions, by the way, is it means the Lutheran confessions. It's not like you go in and you can Evan confesses his sins and his professor says that's not enough. <laughs> so that, that's why I'm coming Those to Pastor Wolfman there for not help. Nearly... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here, here's a few good sins to confess. <laughs> this will get you an A in confessions. <laughs> yeah, this is why I come to you so much for, for help. If you confess rage in your heart, that's like B+. Plus. But <laughs> if you confess wicked rage towards your professors, then Ooh. now you're looking at there you A go. territory. Okay, so so this, uh, about, this is about the Lutheran confessions? I could be in trouble. Right, yes. This oh, is a formula of Concord. Are. Yeah, formula of Concord. All um, right. And uh, so this... this uh, oh, by the way, I should say that... Uh, it's not like I'm, I'm uh, doing anything secret here. The, the study guide is available on uh, what we call the shared drive at the seminary for anyone to download. So it's not like I'm, uh, you know, getting any. It's not like I, I went to the professor's files and, and got this ahead of time. Uh, this is the questions for us to prepare uh, for the test. And, that's uh, not a confession. That's an anti-confession. <laughs> you're making an anti. You're making an excuse in a confession. <laughs> See, I, I need help. C, faster. you get a C for <laughs> okay. that. Uh, but uh, the, the articles of which this final uh, covers are articles six, seven, eight, and eleven and twelve. Okay, six is about something. I can't remember. Seven is about the Lord's Supper. Eight is about the person of Christ. Eleven is about election. And 12? What's 12 about? Descent into hell? Uh, or, uh, or various miscellaneous articles or something. The, these, um, right. This, so. by the way, is the most beefy theological part of our Lutheran confessions, especially Article 8, 7, and 8 of the Formula Concord that talk about the Lord's Supper and then the two natures in Christ and the relationship between the two. Uh, that is, this is... um. This is pretty. Uh, this is pretty detailed, specific, and intense stuff. So, are you they ready? Let you, they give you a call before you take the test on that. <laughs> uh, I think we have a conditional call that says that uh, we can't accept it until we pass all of our classes. Well, we better get to it then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, how do the? Oh, this is Article Seven, by the way. Uh, how do the sacramentarians understand the words of institution? Oh, so the sacramentarians would be those who reject um, reject the presence of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. I think this is a fantastic irony that the church that rejects the Lord's gift of baptism is called the Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the group that rejects the Lord's gift of the Lord's Supper is called the sacramentarians. Isn't that iron- ironic? That's That'd be like calling the Lutherans... Uh, the sola law or something, you know? It's, uh, the, that's the that's not quite as catchy. We need to work on that a little bit. All right, we'll get to it. 
Um, there's a number of different understandings. You know, I, I was reading just the other day uh, Luther's Great Confession on the Lord's Supper, and it is his preface is hilarious because he talks about how each of the heretics takes a particular word out of the words of institution and misinterprets it. Uh, and every word's been misinterpreted but one. And then he says, so I'm going to be the best fanatic of all, and I'm going to take the one they haven't misinterpreted and interpret it and make my own interpretation. Oh, that's great. Uh, but the way they understand the words of institution um, are, uh, well, uh, you have Zwingli. Let's see if I can remember this. You have Zwingli who takes the word, this is my body, and makes is mean is a symbol of. Uh, that's one way. Another way is they take the words of Jesus, this is my body, and they reinterpret the word body to mean something different. Um, the body is just the bread, or the body is a symbol of the church, or the body is something like this. But the main thing that they do with it is they take the words, uh, they take the words of institution, and they read it through the lens of, of logic or human experience. And so they say, these words, this is my body, can't be true, because look, on the altar, there's bread. And it just, just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so the so the words of institution are filtered through human reason and experience, and and are and they come out the other side, meaning the exact opposite of what Jesus actually says. Right. And, and the Lutherans are the only ones who get this right because reason reason uh, taints uh, all views. So the the ones that you just described, uh, but then you have the Catholics on the other side that say, uh, well, this can't possibly be. So uh, what happens is there's a transformation of of substance here. Uh, what was once bread transforms into body, and bread is no longer present. Um, yeah, so we have, that's weird. So the reason reason is controlling is the controlling factor in the theology rather than God's word and Holy Scripture. Yeah, Jesus says, "Let this word just be what it is," and and it it, it is is <laughs> this is my body. Now, who was it that that uh, def, uh, defined my so so that? That Jesus is pointing to himself, he's saying, this is my body, and it's like, you know, the thumbs up to himself, this is my body. Well, Luther says, Luther says, I'll take the word my, and I'll do it like this. Moses has his, uh, Moses has had his body, which was the lamb, when he gave the Passover. I've got my body that I'm giving out, and that's this bread. So just like Moses said, here's my flesh, and it's the, the lamb that you're supposed to eat, Jesus says, here's here's my body. Here's the new version of the Passover, and he gives out the bread. So Luther, uh, that's Luther in his uh, um, in his great confession concerning the Lord's Supper says, I'll take the word my and and make a make my own heresy. Yeah. That's <laughs> and then he says, and then he says, and look at how easy it is to make a heresy. He said we could make heresies all day. It's it's pretty funny. That's not what I'm talking I think about. It been, Do you know what I'm talking about? I'll look it up uh, in the break. But, oh, oh wait, so, so, so the interpretation where someone says, this is my, and he, Jesus is pointing to himself, this right. is so my So he's not body. talking about the the elements of which he's, you know, saying this is my body. He's talking about himself, this is my body. I'm right here. I don't think anyone seriously said that because Jesus, it says he took bread. So you gotta you got to deal with the bread. In fact, the, in the Greek, the grammar matches up with body and bread so that, um, so that the two are being joined together there. I think someone said that, but I'll find out. All right, all right. Okay. We'll go into executive session. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, no. We don't want to go in there. I hate that place. <laughs> all right. That's where all the exciting and interesting things happen, Evan. Is this game, by the way, Stump the Pasture at the same time? Because there's a couple of here I think that might trip you up a little bit. Oh, I'm looking forward to those. Are you? Okay. I'm afraid to be wrong. That's why I. Uh, that's why we do what we do here. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Here's Here's the one that I think will stump you up. 
What doc? This is still under Article Seven. What document of agreement is quoted in Article Seven, and who were the partners? Uh, what document of agreement? Hmm. <laughs> uh, so would that be the uh, the formula of concord between the Saxon theologians signed at Wittenberg, uh, fifteen thirty six, by Luther and the other guys there? Hold on, I'm reading Article Seven. I'll let you know in a sec. <laughs> I found in paragraph 12 here, afterwards the people at Augsburg delivered their own confession about this article, seemed to be willing to improve the confession. Then the following formulae concordiae, articles of Christian agreement between the Saxon theologians and those of Upper Germany, were composed and signed at Wittenberg, 1536. Hey, there you go. A good thing this is an open book test. <laughs> it's not when I take it, but we'll, we'll, we'll give you a break, don't worry. <laughs> All right, maybe one more before the break. Are you ready? All right, yeah, oh yeah. Uh... Good thing you're not getting points for these. Um, uh, why can Lutherans use expressions like under the bread, with the bread, in the bread? Why do they do that? Oh, yeah. They're, this is very good because Jesus says, this is my body. So so that the bread is the body of Jesus. The, the, the sacramental presence that Christ's body is is the bread and is the bread is his body, but but you, we have this classic formula in with and under. The, uh, Melanchthon will go, uh, or sorry, not Melanchthon. The writers of the formula will actually go into this and show how uh, the the same language is used in the Bible about the human and divine natures of Jesus. So God is in Christ. Well, Christ is God, but God is in Him. So to say that G- uh, Christ is in God is the same as saying that Christ is God. So the same with the Lord's Supper. To say that. The body of Christ is in the bread is the same as saying the bread is the body. And and they'll actually go through different passages of Scripture that talk about how God was with Christ, God was in Christ, um, uh, uh, and this sort of thing uh, to, to, to show that relationship and, and, to, and to explain the language in, with, and under. All right. Well, you are listening to Table Talk Radio, and we're playing the game Do Evan's Homework for Him. Um, or help Evan's – I like this better. Help Evan study for his final game. Make sure uh, Faith in Rogue River gets a pastor. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're playing. And so far, <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Everybody tells me I am wrong, but I know I'm not. Something in me. That's my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I gotta. Is that uh, John Mayer? I gotta get that on the ringtone for you. <laughs> John Mayer. Every, what's the name of the song? I don't know. I, I don't want to contribute to this. 
by the way, the reason you know we're what do we play already on this show? Book of Concord B, and now we're playing Do Evans Homework. This is I hope that you know <laughs> I am convinced. That, I didn't tell you this. I don't think I did, anyways. That I came up with a new attribute of the scriptures. Did I tell you about this whole deal? Uh, I don't like the sound of this. Maybe you better yeah. explain. Well, okay. So, um, you know, there's four classic attributes of the Bible. Uh, the first is that it's inspired, that God uh, spoke the Bible. He, he inspired the prophets and apostles to write down the words, verbal, plenary, inspiration, scripture. That's good. And then uh, from that come a few other uh, attributes. One, one uh, the second and third are that the Bible's inerrant. It, it does not err. And the Bible's infallible. It cannot err. And the fourth attribute of the scriptures is as efficacious, that that God's word is creative, not just descriptive, that when God, uh, when the, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So those are the four classic attributes of the, of the Bible. But I was thinking to myself that we need to talk about a fifth attribute, and that is that the Bible is awesome. Or if you're over 30, good is what you want to call it. In other words, there's, can you, and there's this situation out there, Evan, where... Where people believe, you say, hey, what do you believe about the Bible? They say, well, it's God's word. It's true. It cannot err. In, in fact, it creates what it says. It's powerful, efficacious. People believe those about the Bible, but still they don't read it. And there's, so there's a disconnect because the, because the devil comes along and he'll let you believe those four things about the Bible uh, as long as you hold the, the inconsistent fifth attribute, which is that the Bible is boring. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So if the devil can convince you that the Bible is boring, so then it becomes a labor to open the thing and read it, then the Bi- then the devil's won the day because he's kept he, even though you believe what's true about the Bible, he's kept your Bible shut. So that we have this we, we just have to confess the very simple thing that the Bible isn't is good. It's not, it's 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 ex- uh, I don't want to say it. I'll say it. It's exciting. You it's 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 a delight to read. It's wonderful. There, there, maybe that's what it is. Wonderful. Wonderful. Or awesome. What, what spices like up the, awesome. the, uh, the scriptures, too, is, is a proper understanding of them through the Book of Concord. Well, and that's the other that's, – that's where I'm heading with this whole thing is that I, I hope the games that we're playing today would do the same with the Book of Concord, that people would, would take this thing and open it because it's really – I mean, I, I think that whenever I go and, and I'm teaching the Book of Concord to a group or something like this, the main thing that I want them to have a sense of is that this thing is good. It's worthwhile to go and read and study on your own, just to open it and look at it. And, and, and you know, your expectation matters. When you, when you go to open a book and you're like, ah, I think it's going to be terrible, but I'll get plod through it. Well, then you're, but when you, you know, when you, when you're expecting great things and it's easier to see them there. And this is what we should expect when we open the scriptures and when we open the book of Concord, that we should expect to find the voice of our good shepherd Jesus talking to us, telling us, uh, his law and his gospel. That's what, that's what we expect to find there. And and when we go to the scriptures and to the book of Concord, which unfolds the scriptures marvelously, that's exactly what we find. So so, uh, well, anything we can do, anything we can do to kind of overcome these obstacles that the devil puts in our way from simply opening the Bible and reading it, or opening the confessions and reading them, uh, is good. I'm in favor of this. In fact, um, I would have been in favor of this long ago in my seminary career. <laughs> Um, well, so, well, that's that's one of the that's one of the the ways that the devil tempts, uh, especially seminary students, is that because you you got you got this uh, list of things you have to study and it's work, you know, you got a dis it takes discipline and rigor and this sort of thing, 
and so uh, and so it, it the devil tempts to, to to take the delight out of of reading and and exploring this book of Concord and even the scriptures. Uh, that's the devil's tactic, but it just when we read when we actually read it, it can't be done. And you know this: the more you read the Bible, the more you want to, and the more you study the Book of Concord, it's the same way. The more you want to do it, it's not like eating, where you eat a little bit and you get full and you don't want to stop eating. It's the opposite. It it creates its own hunger as it fills you up. It's really wonderful. And that's the whole point of the show: is to fight against the devil trying to think the Bible is boring and that theology is dull yeah yeah all right that well, is that is a you're terrible stalling lie. you're so stalling no i'm not I'm, okay okay i'm ready come all on right. one more on article, give me a tough one one more on article seven <laughs> and then we'll move on all right um and i'm going to read the english rather than the latin here uh what what does <laughs> is that okay you're with condescending you? to me <laughs> yeah for your sake i'm not going to read the latin i <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. What does nothing has the nature of a sacrament apart from the apart from it apart from the use instituted by Christ mean in the context of the Lord's Supper? Oh yeah. So, um what, what they're talking about here, I mean a couple of different things, but especially their um what what the Catholic Church had had done is they they had taken the words this is my body and they had expanded it out to meet to all this different stuff. So you had stuff like the Corpus Christi parade, where you take the body of Christ and you'd parade around. You have the uh, worship of the Lord's body. So you have a tabernacle on the altar, and people come and and perform devotional acts towards the Lord's body, and all this sort of stuff. And the, and the Lutherans said, look, look, uh, Jesus has attached two specific commands uh, and a specific promise to the words, "This is my body," and the commands are. Take and eat. And the promise is, this is for you, for the forgiveness of sins. So that so that the, the whole thing goes together. So that it's true that this is the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus here on the altar. But what are you to do with it? To reverence it, to worship it, to march around with it, to perform miracles with it? No. You are to take it and eat it and believe the promise. So the whole uh, celebration of the Lord's Supper... Uh, it has to hold together. We have to have all the words of Jesus there, and we have to believe, and uh, uh, we have to believe all the words. We can't start deducting things from from some of them. All right, time for Article Eight: The Person of Christ. Hey, did I get that right? Uh, yeah, sounds good to me. Um, I'll let you know in a in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can report back how how we did on this yeah. test. If I'm if I am not Oregon bound, you'll know. <laughs> All right. Um, what is the effect of the incarnation for the human nature? Uh, what? Uh, I don't think I understand the question. What is the effect of the incarnation on the human nature of Christ or on human nature in general? It says the human nature, so I think the human nature of Christ. Um, the effect of the incarnation on the human nature of Christ. Did a, did a, did a German professor write this question? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> you want a different one? Do you want to opt? Okay. Well, no, I mean, well, okay. Well, I'll just back up and kind of walk around this thing, <clears throat> take a few swipes at it, and see if we can get a punch in. Uh, <laughs> the the Article Eight is about the person of Christ, and especially. Uh, because um, 
see what happened was when the Lutherans are fighting against the Reformed about the Lord's Supper, they say, look, it can't be the body of Christ there on the altar because the body of Christ is in heaven and a body can't be in more than one place. So the Lutherans were talking about how the body of Christ, the specific body of our Lord Jesus, uh, is the one and only body in all of the universe that is united to the divine nature, which is called the personal union. And they and 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 Chemnitz, who really is the is, is the author of this thing, talks about three particular genuses or topics that that, that help us to understand the the relationship of the divine nature to the human nature in Christ. So he he's articulating things, and in fact, he's articulating things about the two natures that had never been articulated as clearly in the history of the church. So I, I think that's a, quite a marvelous thing, is that, you know, we normally think the first part of the church, people were debating about the Trinity and about the two natures, and when it comes to the Lutherans, they're just talking about the gospel, justification, law, and gospel, things like this. Well, they were they were certainly reflecting on the two natures of Christ, and Chemnitz takes his reflection on the two natures and 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 even advances uh, 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 the understanding in the church. And so how do the two natures relate to one another? Well, the first is that the two natures remain uh, complete in themselves. So the divine nature does not absorb or destroy the human nature. And I think that's called the genus idiomaticum, that each retains its own essential characteristics. Mm-hmm. There is the genus apostolismaticum, the apostolic uh, genus, genus, which has to do something with the two different wills. Uh, and that is that the, uh, that the human that the human nature and the divine nature uh, never have competing wills, that the wills of each uh, constantly agree with each other, something like that. I am always, I'm not quite 100% clear on that. But then there's this, and this is especially what they're driving at, the genus myostaticum, or the majestic genus, which is that at the ascension of our Lord, he, he, he takes up the full use of his divine nature according to his human nature. So that the human nature of Jesus in the one person is omnipresent, omniscient, uh, all-powerful, etc. Uh, and so that, hey, it's true that normally a body can only be in one place. But that's a body that's not united with the divine nature. And because Jesus is God, he can be at every place all at once. That's right. And for that, I will give you an A- minus <laughs> of Table Talk Radio grade. Oh, thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where I hope Evan doesn't get graded in Table Talk Radio points. You've been (laughs) listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.